Hi, everyone, and welcome to the GoTech Please Don't Die podcast, a show devoted to tech going and hopefully not dying. I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Matt. And uh, after some disappointment on the baseball diamond last week, we really needed some good news this weekend. And we finally got some. Skip Holtz is not going to Kansas. Oh, yeah, and also we swept. To be specific, <laughs> the University of Kansas. Well, I guess either or. I don't know why he would be going to the Jayhawk State, right? That's the state. I guess. I thought it was the Sunflower State. Toto, we're not in Kansas still, apparently. Well, this is disappointing. Yep, this is off to a great start. I was trying yeah, to figure out what great... state it was, and I typed in the Kansas State motto. It is which the is Sunflower at Astra state, per Aspera. Which means to the stars through difficulties. Yes. Anyway, yeah, Skip Holtz, not going to Kansas, and the uh, the Bulldogs swept this weekend. Yeah, two very good news items and one more, and we'll start with this one. Milton Williams was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles, and yeah. he joins nice. Boston's third Scott. round. Yeah, got a little LaTeX to Philly connection going here. Um, you know, third round pick, 73rd overall. Uh, I believe one person got my little mini contest exactly right. Neil Haas on Twitter. I owe him some stickers. So if you're listening, I will uh, put those in an envelope right now as we record the show. Since I just thought about it. <laughs> so if you hear some paperwork and, and stamp being put on envelope noises, you know where that's coming from. <laughs> yeah, very distinct. Yeah, also, noises. Milton, if you listen to the show, Milton, and you need a pizza place recommendation, I, I know a place in Philly to get good pizza. I'm sure no one else in Philadelphia knows about good places to get pizza, but I went out there once, had very good pizza, and that's the end of my story. Also, if Brew. you want a GTPDD sticker, let me know. I'll send you one. Just, you know, DM me your address, Milton. <laughs> oh, yeah. And your social security number. Yes, of course. We can just ship them to Lincoln Financial Field in Philly and just address it to him there at that stadium and see what happens. Maybe he'll get it. We actually could do that. I might do that. Yeah, that actually sounds like an <laughs> excellent idea. <laughs> and then he writes back. the Eagles on Twitter if uh, if they got the yet. <laughs> just, yeah, just at the stadium. Yeah. <laughs> Say, hey, y'all get that envelope yet? We promise it's not drugs that are in the envelope, even though it's being sent unsolicited. Yes. Yeah. So baseball, the the biggest news item of the week, because it was pretty dicey going into this weekend, two and two against Marshall. Things kind of felt the lowest they have pretty much all year, really since uh, LSU blew us out in the second game of the year. It felt like things were on the up and up. And then last week kind of humbled us. And now we are invincible again, is my takeaway <laughs> after taking four games in three days in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Uh, Good old Murph. The big schmo. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah. Uh, <laughs> coming off the depressing series against Marshall, this is uh, kind of just what the doctor ordered. Yeah. Also, 10 straight road wins for the Bulldogs. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, I saw that. Isn't that a new uh, That's a new record for the program? New, new conference record. Also, the longest streak in the nation. So. so what you're saying is we're winning it all. Yes. I'm saying we will not lose another game. Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't host is my takeaway from that. If we're doing <laughs> yeah. that well on the road. If the Maybe Bulldogs, we should play these games in Starkville or wherever. If the Bulldogs don't lose another game, that means they're going to win the whole thing. And if that happens, Evan, if they don't lose another game, I'm going to rip my shirt off. I'm going to Batman chug a beer, and then I'm going to lick the side <laughs> of your face. <laughs> okay. Quick, cover yourself in sour beer. It's just one weakness. Oh, that's a genius <laughs> plan. <laughs> All right, so uh, these games this weekend, I noticed whenever I was getting the updates, were kind of multifarious. You had some close games, I think a couple of games that were pretty well in hand throughout the whole time, but it was, I mean... Obviously, we won all four, but it was kind of a, a mismatch again. I don't know how the bullpen held up. It. Yeah, I mean, just just in general, it was kind of crazy. The first and fourth game were both games that it felt like the Bulldogs were winning by, I don't know, 15 runs. We were hitting everything that came our way, especially on Friday. We had 16 hits, um, but, but MTSU, and we'll get into this game in a second, but MTSU was able to steal a bunch of bases. They end up with 12 hits of their own. Both teams have three errors to keep that game close. But I mean, uh, the the last game was kind of that way. We had 13 hits and won six to one. MTSU was never really in that game, but it felt like felt like we should have had about 12 runs in that game too. So then the middle games were the the, the two doubleheaders were opposite, right? Close games, one to zero, five to four. So um, lots to talk about here. Yeah, 
And really, the biggest news item coming into the Friday night game was the return of Steel Netterval. One of the Bulldogs' best bats had been hurt, and he finally returned to the lineup coming off that injury. But it's not like you could tell from the broadcast feed because everything just looked like a bunch of ants on Friday oh, and Saturday, especially. It was very hard to figure out what was even going on. I finally about Kusa TV, your... by the way. Yeah, <laughs> I finally used your trick to uh, to like pause the CUSA TV broadcast and line it up with Dave on Dave Nitz on uh, on TuneIn Radio, and that was a we're on first name basis. You can just call him Dave. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> So I, I lined those two things up, and it was way more enjoyable. Not not that MTSU's guys are bad or anything, but it was just like, okay, now I can actually like enjoy this because the broadcast was just awful. Basically, the all twenty two view. Somebody said on, I think that was La Tech Sports Report said on on Twitter that they they put the camera way up high so you can see everything and nothing at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they fixed it by the Sunday game because that one I got to see more of, and that camera angle actually looked pretty normal. But maybe the camera angle was just so zoomed out so far on Friday because they wanted to make sure they got on camera all five of Tech's hits that they had to start off the game. Five straight hits without any outs to go up 3 nothing in the top of the first. And then Jonathan Fitcher, or Pitcher, only throws five pitches for three outs in the bottom of the first. It's about as well as a game can start if you're the Bulldogs. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really good. Yeah, and then uh, Tech goes up 5 nothing in the second. Middle Tennessee finally is able to put something across, cuts the lead to 5-2. to two. Both teams add one run here, one run there throughout the game. Tech pretty much in control throughout most of it. Tech had recorded hits in all nine innings, and Middle Tennessee did in six of their nine, which is pretty nice. nice. Uh, going into the bottom of the ninth, Tech is up nine to five. Greg Martinez is on the mound, but after allowing two base runners, he gets pulled. Kyle Krigger comes into the game, who would also pitch four innings on Sunday. He will attempt a two-out save here. After a double steal and a strikeout, a run scores on a wild pitch. Then Krigger allows two outfield singles. So now two on, two out, winning run at the plate with the Bulldogs only up nine to seven now. But fortunately, Kyle Krigger gets a ground ball to the shortstop to end the game and tackles on to win nine to seven. Way closer than it should have been down the stretch there. Well, yeah, and I think one of the keys to this game too was that MTSU stole... Let's see, uh, seven. seven seven bases in this game, which is pretty crazy. I think they were seven for nine, if I remember correctly, from the broadcast. So that was bad and, you know, kind of kept <laughs> MTSU in the game um, because they were able to get into scoring position when, you know, they, they'd be able to get on base with a walk or a single and stretch it into a double. They only had two extra base hits on the night, home run and a, and a double. So to score seven runs with just two extra base hits is is kind of impressive from them. Yeah, I was expecting a bigger reaction out of Matt when he said seven stolen bases. Yeah. Baseball-wise, that's a lot. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm very t- I walked seven miles today, so I'm very tired. So I'm One for each stolen base. Hey, yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> but in all seriousness, I'm exhausted. But yeah, yeah, seven stolen. Who had seven? MTSU had seven stolen bases in one yep. game. On uh, did one player have the majority of those? Three players had two, and one player had one. Wow, man, I don't. <laughs> I what I'm kind of perplexed by it, is is does that speak more to a trend in the Bulldogs organization where they're just not very good at stopping that, or is this like one of I those? Think- I think it's a team that they lead the the conference in stolen bases. So they that's just their philosophy. They get on base and they're gonna they're gonna steal, you know. So like in the second inning, for example, they they put a guy on with the single, then we get a strikeout. Uh, the guy on first steals second, um, then he scores on an RBI double. So, you know, if you don't let him steal there, maybe he doesn't score. It probably depends on the double. But then the guy on second steals third immediately. Then he scores um, on a sack fly. So, like, that's a direct result of the steal. Then a guy gets on first with a single, and then he steals. Um, so that's three steals in the in the first time they runners on base. And at the beginning of the game, Dave Nitz was talking about how it was important to not let these guys get on base. And then they immediately showed you why that was true. So <laughs> I think it was that, I guess it's, it's pretty hard to practice for that, you know, like, cause tech isn't really a team that steals a lot. And 
at this point in the season, I don't anticipate that we're out there, you know, practicing live game situations very often. So if you haven't faced something like that all year, it's probably pretty hard to adjust to in game. Um, but at the same time, as we'll see in game two, uh, they did adjust to it overnight. So yeah, and because huh. I, I think it's a little bit of column A, column B when it comes to what Middle Tennessee is able to do versus what Tech is able to stop because. Uh, per a lot tech sports report on Twitter, coming into the second game, tech opponents had stolen 30 consecutive bases since they last caught oh, someone wow. stealing. That's <sighs> insane. That felt anecdotally correct. <laughs> Watching games so far this year, it felt like not, we weren't very close on any stolen base. They're not stolen a base attempts if you're trying to throw them out, but at trying to catch people stealing, it, it felt like, okay, pity throw, or sometimes it goes to the outfield. It feels like we're much closer to throwing the ball away than we are to actually getting the runner out. And Middle Tennessee capitalized on that. Hmm. But somehow, Tech was able to reverse course. And in game two, a game that they won one to nothing, they caught three runners stealing and allowed no yep. stolen bases. Yeah. Over Hell yeah. Three. Uh, maybe Corona ate a, a better breakfast or something. I don't know. But no, I think Burroughs went to the locker room and said, this is a fucking disgrace. I hate all of you. And they just stepped it up. <laughs> I think that's exactly what happened here. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, <laughs> maybe Ryan Jennings got the breakfast because this was the game and the performance out of him that we had hoped to see pretty much all season long. A, a seven inning, five hit, complete game shutout. There's a lot of words there separated by hyphens. But he comes in and just pitches a shutout. Not really much more you can ask from him. And I mean, to be fair, his counterpart, uh, Middle Tennessee starter pitcher, starter pitcher, Starting pitcher Aaron there Brown pitched a six-hit, one-run ball game. Not really all that much worse, but the Bulldogs have yeah. to be on top of this one. Kind of rare that you see just two pitchers total in a game. Um, Jennings and Brown both go all seven innings um, because the difference, that one hit that you mentioned, Nathan, six six hits for Tech, five for MTSU, and the one hit that made the difference was Philip Matulia's home run. Yeah, I mean, close game the whole way. Never felt comfortable, but never felt uncomfortable either. You know, Jennings was had good control. Um, only walked one batter in this entire game, which is good to see because we've seen situation where, you know, when our pitchers run out of gas, they run out hard, but he didn't. Yeah. And to talk about Matulia real quick, kind of, I'm, I'm calling dibs right now on him being the player of the week, by the way. Wow. You know how we talk about OPS in the past and anything above a one is actually pretty good. Small sample sizes or whatever, especially when you're only looking at a weekend. But like if you're above a 1.000 OPS, you're a pretty good player, which is underselling yeah. it a bit. Matuli is OPS on the weekend, 2.083. <laughs> That's pretty good. Jesus. That's yeah. amazing. That's good. 12 at bats. He had eight hits for a 667 batting average. Okay. That's, can this just be a unanimous player of the week? Like, it's, <laughs> I mean, well, honestly, I have, he may get tweet of the week too for this performance. That's how good it was. <laughs> My God. Let's just give him a player of the year. The text well, are tonight. Let's go back and give him one of those too. That is just brutal. The text That's just <laughs> painful. From me or the person who actually named it that. Well, there's, oh God. I just want to forget it was even brought up. Let's go on. Yeah, Matilia also had three walks in addition to his eight hits and 15 <laughs> play appearances. That's a ridiculous stuff. Yeah, I think they didn't walk very many people either. I'm, I'm seeing seven total walks on the whole weekend, and he had yeah, three. He counted for almost half of them. Golly. Yeah. Also had two doubles in his eight hits and a home run. And so, yeah. When you're on base, when you get on base, seventy five percent of the chance, seventy five percent of the time, you step up to play, <laughs> and then you also have two doubles and a home run. Things are looking pretty good for you. Are they gonna piss test him when he gets back to Rustin? <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, please don't. Just in case, please don't. Uh, he had a hell of a weekend. Yeah, and he was again the decider in the early game and the late game on Saturday. Taylor Young was the hero. Uh, just because we know this happens every weekend for the Bulldogs, at least one game has to be a come-from-behind victory. At some point, at some time, Tech is going to have to be down in the bottom of the 7th or ninth or whatever and, and score the winning run. And I guess it was the top of the 7th here. But Taylor Young hits a home run, to spoil this for a second, and Tech is able to take this game and therefore the series. Evan, do you want to jump through this game? 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, it started out not great. Um, Tech was was not able to do much thing in the first inning. Uh, Bates did reach on an error, but other than that, not nothing doing. And then we gave up a run in the bottom of the first and the bottom of the second to go down two to zero. But then you know a couple of clean innings by both picture pitchers there in the third, and then Tech came on strong in the top of the fourth inning. Um, starts out with two outs, but then Netterville gets on with an error. He actually gets to second on a throwing error by the third baseman. Um, then McConnell singles and Netterville scores. So it's two to one. And then Corona doubles to right field scoring McConnell Then Matulia singles and that score Corona. So three to two there at the end of the fourth inning, all with two outs as well, which we saw last weekend too. We saw a bunch of two out rallies and then, you know, not much happens for a while. Tech adds another run in the top of the sixth to pretty much put the game out of reach. It felt like to me, you know, we went up four to two there with six outs remaining for MTSU, but the bullpen kind of struggled here in the bottom of the sixth for us. Tom came in and, you know, gets a guy to ground out, but then gives up a single and a wild pitch to put a guy in a scoring position, which we know MTSU, you know, tries, tries their damnedest to get into scoring position as most teams do, but they like to, (laughs) they like to push it obviously. Um, then really he like gives him a scoring position. Yeah. <laughs> then he gives a four pitch walk to a pinch hitter. So not great there. And then they, uh, uh, there's a fielder's choice that puts two runners in scoring position, second and third. And then he gives up a single to score two to tie up the game there. So, uh, you know, four to four going into the seventh and stud closer David Zaw, which I'm mad that that's how his name is pronounced. Um, and not Z-O-Z. Zaws. Yeah. Yeah. I told Catherine I was mad about that, and she was like, why are you telling me this? <laughs> probably nine-tenths of all conversations they have. Yeah, probably. Uh, <laughs> I'll just tell her about some obscure DMB song that she's never heard of and doesn't care about it. She's like, okay, hey, Kath- whatever. Catherine, have you ever heard of People People? <laughs> I never busted that one out for her, but... Um, uh, yeah, so what happens there in that seventh inning, Nathan? Yeah, so top of the seventh, the Bulldogs come up to bat. Kind of, I would feel pretty dejected in this moment. You thought he had the game in hand, and then Middle Tennessee scores a couple and makes it a close game and ties the game up. And top of the seventh starts, say, you have... I, I want to say, too, before you say what happens, sorry, uh, I want to say David Zaw hadn't given up a home run a year or something like that. I don't... His I could be home wrong run percentage that. that I had going into the game was a home run outcome rate of 5%. So when he does allow okay. a hit, it's a home run 5% of the time. His ERA was 1.41. Just not yes. a guy who it felt like you could get a home run off of him or really anything off of him with an ERA that low. Yeah, so bottom of the order, though, is up for the Bulldogs. At least the 8-9 and then one hitters come back around for the Bulldogs. Philip Matulia grounds out to the pitcher. Alex Ray grounds out to the shortstop. So tie game, two outs, top of the seventh. Taylor Young comes to bat. It's a ball, a strike, a foul, a foul, a ball, and then hit toward left field, back on it, and it's going a home run for Taylor Young. I mark, and Taylor Young has given five to four lead here in the seventh inning. His seventh home run of the year, a two outs in the seventh inning. Yeah, it's weird having these big moments in away games sometimes just because we've had so many of them at both home and away where you want, you're expecting like a crowd roar and everyone's excited, but like, no, they, the, most of the people in that stadium are not very happy in this moment that they're now <laughs> falling behind in the final inning of a game. But yeah, Taylor Young comes through again. He's not been the best home run hitter for the Bulldogs. He, he got one here and that's what matters. He's been very good at getting on base, especially, but he just finds a way to contribute and add to games and become such an integral part of this Bulldog batting lineup. But the game's not over. <laughs> we still have the bottom of the seventh. This is, again, an away game. And Landon Tompkins comes or goes back out there for the Bulldogs to get those last three outs. After the top, excuse me, after the bottom of the sixth, when as poorly as it did, I kind of expected a different pitcher to be out there. But... Lane Burroughs yeah, trusts no. his guy, and after only giving up a double, he gets all three outs, and Tech wins five to four. Yeah, that double made me a little nervous, <laughs> but yeah, especially with how much scoring happened with two outs in this game. I think most of our runs were scored down to the wire, but um, 
Yeah, great finish from Tompkins, especially to come back, like you said, after a rough inning, especially with how we saw like last week against Marshall, we used like three or four pitchers to get three outs in that really bad seventh inning we gave up. And, you know, to see coach stick with with Tompkins and say, no, you're going to go get me these outs. And then he did it. So that'll build a lot of confidence. You know, that's kind of the piece that we're missing. Just because Lane Tompkins to focus a little bit on him individually for a moment. It's pretty safe to say now that he's in a bit of a slump, even with that that pretty nice bottom of the seventh inning pitching there. After only allowing an earned run in one of his first nine games, he's now given up at least one in the other time, a couple times two in his last four games. So not exactly the way you want to be trending at this point of the season when you're a team like Louisiana Tech that's hoping to make some noise in the postseason. That being said, though, he gives up the two runs to tie the game. And then when Taylor Young hits the home run to take the lead, he's the pitcher of record. So he gets the win, hmm. which well, is dumb. Yeah. Yeah, but what are you going to do? It would be a blown save if the, if the Bulldogs lost the game. So, yeah. Anyway, not exactly ideal for him, but hopefully he turns it around. And again, he came back out there and and minus that double, had a pretty good last inning on the on the field. And then Sunday happens. Sunday was probably the the easiest, the most relaxing game of baseball this weekend against Middle Tennessee. A game that Tech won six to one. After the first inning, the final the score was three to one, and then Middle Tennessee just didn't score any more runs for the rest of the game. Yeah, that's good. That's um, a good. That's a summary. I hope to hear a little bit more of this as the season <laughs> comes to an end. Yeah, and I mean, really, not a ton to note here. I mean, Tech gets 13 hits like i said earlier didn't allow a stolen base in this one either so that's uh I, did we say how many they allowed in the the third yeah. game no we didn't they stole one the remainder of the weekend so yeah so, they, the burrows um, is just like if you guys the next guy gives up a stolen base is buying me a new car <laughs> yeah he can't buy them new cars yeah. because that's a recruiting violation they can, <laughs> but buy, they him can buy him new automobiles but coach this is the ncaa we're poor <laughs> Did you have a rebuttal to your own point or not? Yes. <laughs> no, I mean, that was the end of the conversation. Okay. Lee just stares. Go buy him a new car. No, Burroughs just stares menacingly at the person who pipes up. <laughs> and all of a sudden, money just falls. Sky. I don't know. I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> tired. Wow. So the pitching in this game, uh, when you only give up one run, obviously, is going to be pretty good. We gave up nine hits on the uh on the night, but um, Jarrett Wharf comes in and pitches five innings. I have here that he pitched 102 pitches. Is that right? In five innings? I also have 102 pitches for Wharf listed here. Yeah, that, that seems high for five inch, uh, inches, five, five innings. Jesus. <laughs> um, in the first inning, I don't know if, if you were watching at this point, Nathan, but there were some problems. Um, the trainer actually came out and asked him if he was okay because he had like two wild pitches in a row. So maybe his pitch count got up there, but he only walked two. So I don't, I don't see how you could throw 102 pitches in five innings. I mean, um, in the first inning, he had three full counts and two two-two counts. Uh, oh, wow. He also had a well, full count in the second that involved three foul balls, or at least two after having two strikes. So that extended that a little bit. And then, yeah, after that, it gets a little bit better. But he also has a couple of full counts in the fourth. And then he pitched the fifth too, well, right? That one, that one was a little better. But yeah, it. Wow. He, okay. he went deep into counts, and or really, Middle Tennessee was taking him deep into counts. But that makes it almost more impressive that he was able to stand true and only give up that one run on the night. Yeah, but what really impresses me about the pitching in this game is that Kyle Krieger, who hasn't really done this this year because he came back from injury about a month ago now, I guess he comes in and pitches four innings in relief and finishes out the game. So I. I wasn't expecting to see that, you know, um, gives up four hits, no runs, um, strikes out four, doesn't walk anybody. So that's only two walks in this game, even though, like you said, Wharf was getting taken to the wire by some of these batters. So really, really refreshing to see that from the bullpen. Obviously, it's one guy, Krigger, coming in and, and getting the job done. But I didn't know that we had that in our bullpen. So that is great to see, especially as we get into May here and get into crunch time and when it actually matters. If we got a guy that can, you know, in the conference tournament, for example, or in a regional, if we got a guy like Krigger who can come in and pitch half a game, if the starter gets knocked out or if, you know, if, if like Cade Gibson 
hits that point where Cade Gibson hits sometimes and just starts giving up runs. Okay, put Krigger in. We're good. You know, that's that's great to see. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping that we only need three guys and Cade Gibson can be the the long reliever of uh, the bullpen. But it's it is nice that that we have Krigger there that's able to do that. Especially because the way that looks like Lane Burrow's bullpen management has become is uh, I have three good relievers. I will only use these three relievers when we're in a close game. And when we're not in a close game, it's that's fine because we can throw in our other guys. But it's it's very it's becoming very obvious who Lane Burroughs trusts coming out of the bullpen right now. Which, to be fair, is not everybody because not everyone has shown off that they're able to be trusted coming out of the bullpen. But Let's I am see, worried a little bit about you're saying it's obvious. Effect. So Tompkins, Krigger, and Martinez are those the three you're thinking? Yeah, either Martinez or maybe Fallas. Probably okay. more like three and a half, I guess. I mean, those are the those are the guys who pitched this weekend. Uh, I don't, did anyone else even pitch? No, nope. It was those four guys that pitched out of the bullpen. We have other guys. We've seen them elsewhere throughout yeah, the season. Recently. But these were all close games. None of them were really minus Sunday. But even Sunday, by the, Krager was dealing, and you're not going to play another game for a week, so might as well keep them out there. Yeah. What, what concerns me is when you do that, it, you really need to make sure those guys are on their game because now you have people that, if you only have three relievers you can trust and you need a fourth one, now you haven't had, you don't have a reliever you've used in three weeks. Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, on on of the maybe it was inside tech baseball or something. Lane Burroughs was talking about that and how you know he he tries to get guys innings, but like sometimes you look up and it's like, oh man, it's been four weeks since since this guy's pitched, and it's like you you can't really simulate real baseball. I mean, a pitcher can go out and throw as many times as he wants, but until you're in the game and you have that adrenaline running and you're facing like, you know, opposing batters, like, you know, the way that he put it was like, you know, Martinez is throwing like 97, 98 when he's out on the mound in a game, like in practice, he's, he's going to hit like 94, you know, still really fast. But like for a guy like Gibson or for a guy like, you know, a guy like Fallis who's out there throwing, you know, high eighties, low nineties in, in game situation. Like you just can't simulate that because you're, you're just, your mind's not in the right place to throw that hard. If you're just throwing against your teammates or just to, you know, up against a wall or whatever, you know? Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. It's same thing for most places where a, a quarterback looks really good in practice and then he gets thrown in the game and he doesn't look so good, that kind of stuff. It's, it's hard to simulate. And then also when you have these four games back to back to back to back, back then it gets very bullpen management becomes even more hard and so even though we're at the point of the year where it kind of feels normal now to play these four games there's still a bit of guesswork and how do you get people involved and especially when you don't have a blow away game like if tech had won a game 10 nothing or something like that then it's very easy to say okay well we'll throw this guy out there and see what happens but we haven't had one of those opportunities in a while even in the game we did win on on Sunday, um, you know, six to one, like to show Krigger that, hey, you can pitch for more than one inning, you know? So yeah. it's it's hard to to justify like, oh, let's, you know, let's pull out Krigger in the seventh or after the seventh and let like Casey Olette come in and get some pitches. And it's like, yeah, maybe Casey Olette needs those pitches uh, to build this confidence. But at the same time, we're also trying to win a game and, and uh, Krigger's got his stuff. So just leave him in there, you know? Yeah. And at some point you become results oriented and say that tech swept the weekend. So why are you complaining? Oh yeah. No, I'm not. We're not complaining, obviously. Yeah. It's yeah, just, yeah. Yeah. It's just interesting. Um, you know, and, and I also found really interesting. I listened today to that, uh, talking tech with Teddy podcast. I don't know if you've ever listened to that, Nathan, but it's, you know, Teddy Allen, Teddy Allen interviews a player and they talk about like where they're from and their family and stuff. But um, last week's it was with Jarrett Worf and he was talking about his routine. Right. And so he, he has a very set routine where he pitches on Sunday. He takes Monday off Tuesday. He goes and throws between 16 and 32 pitches. He said in the bullpen and he's only working on his off pitches. So not, not as fastball basically is how I took that anyway. Um, like, like his, his changeup and maybe a curveball. And then he takes Wednesday off. Then on Thursday, he throws, he throws about 50 pitches or somewhere in there. And then he takes Friday off and Saturday off or he does like workout and stuff, you know, on those days and then pitches. He also said, we talked about um, Hunter Wells being superstitious last week or a couple weeks ago. He said that he purposefully changes stuff up so that he avoids superstition. Sounds like a superstition. <laughs> <laughs> so 
that's that I found that kind of funny that he he like purposefully does things differently like on game day morning um, to make sure that he's not falling into a superstition routine. But isn't that itself a superstition routine? I yeah, that's that's what I I was you know how far does it go right? <laughs> all the way to the top, and hopefully Tech is able to move all the way to the top in the baseball pollings. Uh, D one baseball has Tech back up to number fourteen. They were number sixteen a week ago. Baseball America has us up a spot from 18, or excuse me, from 19 to 18. We had moved from 20 to 19 after the two and two <laughs> split in the Marshall series yeah. the week before. So lost who knows two games. what's happening there? We lost two games at home. Awful team. Then we beat a pretty good team. MTSU, we didn't say this this week, but MTSU is a good team. Like they're they were in third place in the East. They're not they're not bad. They have a winning record. Like they're good in the conference tournament probably. So to sweep them on the road is very impressive. Well they had a winning record. Oh well now they're 21, sorry. 21 and one. Sorry about that guys. And one and one's only belong in basketball. <laughs> yeah USA Today poll though has tech up four spots from number 18 to number 14. And RPI jump is even more significant from number 27 to number 18. So a lot of this mid-range teen stuff, uh, the top 16 teams get regional host sites. So yeah. we're right, right on that edge still, even after the Marshall yeah. weekend. They also changed it. I don't know if, if uh, I don't think we talked about this last week. They changed. Originally, they were going to name the 16 host sites next week on like May 10th or something. Um, now they are going to name 20 potential host sites because you still have to bid for a host site. So like we we bid for one, but ODU didn't, for example. So like if ODU was one of the top 16 teams, well, too bad you didn't, you didn't bid. So you have it. Um, but with that being said, you know, we have one series left before they name these 20 uh, potential host sites. And then I believe they're going to name the actual 16 host sites after like as they normally would so like after conference tournaments they'll come in and name i think i could be wrong about that i guess but i think that's that's the way i understand it is that they're narrowing it down to 20 and then they'll choose the 16 from that 20 so it'll also depend on geography right if we're the only potential host site on that list of 20 in louisiana then we're probably gonna get it Um, or if we're number 17 or whatever in their criteria, but there's none in this general area, then right. that may be a good reason to give it to us anyway. I mean, there will be, like, Arkansas is going to host, Ole Miss is going to host, Mississippi State might host too, Texas is going to host. So there's lots in our region, but in the state of Louisiana specifically, there might not be one if if LSU doesn't get one, which they probably shouldn't. But well, Then I'll just zoom all the way in and just say, there's no regionals in Lincoln Parish, so we get one. <laughs> But yeah, before we move on to playing in any sort of regional or postseason play, we still have some regular season matchups left to play this weekend. Ours is against the FIU Golden Panthers. Or are they just the Panthers now? I always forget. Who cares? Yeah, that's a good point. I'm not sure if there's a lot of <laughs> caring about their baseball team right now. 17 and 27 overall, 8 and 16 in CUSA play. Number 157 in Massey, which is actually pretty close to where Middle Tennessee is. So maybe they're just very unlucky when it comes to the record. Uh, They played FAU both of the last two weekends. So eight games in a row against the Owls. They won one of each four-game series. So they won two of the eight games against FAU. And FAU is a pretty good team in CUSA. Not Charlotte, ODU, Tech, Southern Miss level, but probably that next tier down. However, they did get swept by Charlotte. FIU did. But they did take one from ODU. And ODU and Charlotte have been going back and forth a lot lately too, and that's confusing on a different level. But when it comes yeah, to the eight games uh, yeah. against each other, same Yikes. yeah, same thing. FAU, FIU did. ODU and Charlotte played eight straight games against each other, and yeah, two straight weekends. I mean, different ballparks for each weekend, but at that point, you're seeing every pitcher so many times in a row that feels weird. Either way, though, to jump back to FIU, Juan Jashera is their best hitter. 44% of the time he steps up to the plate, he gets on base. But he's really only a single machine. 78% of his hits are singles. So probably not a lot of doubles or home runs or or triples or anything from him. On the mound, their best starting pitcher is Stephen Casey, an ERA of 3.74. But most notably, he does not allow a lot of home runs. We have a a couple better pitchers than him by ERA, Jonathan Fincher and... I believe, yeah, Jarrett Worf also has a better ERA so far on the year. But 
home runs have been an issue for some of Tech's starters. Out of the bullpen, though, the best reliever is Angel Tuberkio. Again, how I'm choosing to pronounce that name. ERA of 3.20. So that's kind of who to look out for on this FIU team. How do the computer polls, or I guess RPI, yeah, that's a computer poll too. How do they think that Tech will do this weekend? So RPI predicts that um, Tech will win all four, which isn't, it's not really that surprising considering that we are ranked about 18th, you know, top 25 and, and FIU's down in the 150s, you know, about middle of the pack in baseball. So Massey gives us a 72% chance to win and says we'll win all the games seven to four. RPI's breakdown gives different scores for each game, but it's it's between four and well, there's one three three run win and one nine run win. So there's uh there's a little bit of a range there, but you know, if we can stretch this streak to 14 straight road wins, um yeah, try try to not give us host at that point. <laughs> yeah, I'll be I'll be very happy about that. Still need to show off well against LSU and ODU, especially then in the year and then conference tournament and yada, yada, yada. But it'd be really nice to extend our away game winning streak another four games. Yeah. So one thing we didn't do, Nathan, was pick our players of oh. the week. You already picked uh, Metulia. So before That's we transition. Yeah. So you picked Metulia. Matt picked Metulia. I'm going to give it to Steele Netterville. Comes back from injury. He he had injured his oblique a while back and tried to play a couple games. But, you know, as Dave Nitz says, his swing is very violent. So um, he, he goes for hard contact with the ball. And that was something we were missing. And he comes in and hits two home runs on the weekend, including one at the beginning of game four, where he probably hit the football stadium in Murfreesboro with the ball. So um, just an absolute no doubter. His mom said a video of it on Facebook, um, which I'm not sure if we can tweet the link to that. I'll try later. But um, it, that was really cool to see his mom was in the stadium. And uh, and right when the ball left the bat, his mom was like, there you go, baby. It was like it was it was really cool to hear that. So, um, like she knew it was a home run immediately. So, you know, got the baseball mom thing going on. Also, Taylor Young's mom responded to the home run of Taylor Young and said, go get the sweep today. So I love these moms, man. They're, they're really out here on Twitter. So um, on social media, cheering on their, their sons on the field. So it's kind of, kind of cool. So yeah, I'm giving it to Steel Netterville, five hits and 15 at bats, OPS of uh, 1.24, um, two home runs and four RBIs. So pretty good way to, to get back into the lineup there. Yeah. And let's continue this good vibes mood by checking in on the softball team. To kind of rehash, we had talked this past week, what Massey give percentage chance-wise, that's a sentence, right? Against Northwestern, a 36% chance to win, and the four games against Southern Miss, a 46% chance to win. Here's, yeah. how, the season, here's how the weekend went, or the week, I guess, because it started on a Tuesday. On that Tuesday, they played Northwestern State on the road in Natchitoches and won in 15 innings, 3-2. to two. 15 innings for, for those keeping score at home. That's over double the normal softball game. Um, yeah, yeah, this game softball game, you, you got, you sh- this should count for two wins on the season is I think my yeah, argument about basically, this one. basically. And this game, I mean, pretty crazy. It's, it's two to nothing all the way until the bottom of the top of the seventh, excuse me, this one was on the road and you know, NSU has really kept the textures in check. But then Gonzalez singles up the middle as a uh, as a pinch hitter and then um, advances to second on a fielder's choice. And then we get another out. So there's two outs in the inning. You know, we're down to our final out, down two nothing, runner on second, and we get a single. So we got runners at the corners, then a double scoring both runs. But that at bat, do you see this at bat? Do you have this pulled up? I don't. It's, know. A, Whatever, it's a strike looking a ball. Two fouls, a ball, a foul, a ball, and then four straight fouls, then a double to right single. So that is a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve pitch at bat to get that double. Ties the game in the top of the seventh <laughs> with with one strike left, you know, one strike left to end that game for Northwestern. But that game was not over yet. It went a lot longer. Uh, we we finished out the bottom of the seventh. Then we load up the bases in the in the eighth inning. So the first extra inning there, but we aren't able to get anybody in. Um, ground out to second base to end the inning with the bases loaded. 
it goes on, it goes on. In the 10th, we had one stranded on base. In the 11th, we had one stranded on base. Northwestern not really doing much here in extras so far. But then you get to the bottom of the 12th and the uh, Lady Demons or the Demons. I'm not sure if they have the the uh, the female qualifier there. Um, you play Lady Demon Diamond, which is the name of the stadium. So I believe oh, wow. that would okay. mean that they're the Lady okay. Demons. Yeah, so they leave two on base there on the bottom of the 12th. So Texters get out of a jam. Uh, they leave one on base in the bottom of the 13th inning. And then the Texters come up in the 14th and strand two. So we're getting some hitters now. Bottom of the 14th, Northwestern loads the bases. And they've got the bases loaded with two outs. And they line it out to left field. So close one there. Then the Texters come up in the 15th. Zoe Hicks singles to left field, um, advances to second on a fielder's choice. And then a fielding error allows Zoe Hicks to score an unearned run, making it three to two. And that ends up as the final in the 15th inning, three straight outs in the bottom of the 15th to win the game for the Texters. That is crazy. Yeah, that's insane, I guess, is the only way I could even put it. It, A 15 inning game sounds long. Baseball sounds long. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like my initial thought was like, oh, it's seven extra innings. No, it's it's uh, nine extra innings. Yeah, but the week's not over. That's just Tuesday. Then on Friday, they travel to Hattiesburg, the Lady Texter softball team does, and win their first game two to one in eleven innings, four extras here to win this game two to one. So in that I mean, it's a Tuesday and a Friday, so you have a couple of days off in between. That's 26 <laughs> innings of softball. And then the next day, you have to play a doubleheader. I yep. really hope our uh, softball team loves playing softball because I can't imagine <laughs> spending so much time doing something and not being enthusiastic about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, That that's crazy, you know, to win again in extra innings. And not not one extra inning. Again, you know, four additional frames there to win that game. And these aren't, like, ridiculously high scoring. So, you know, you really have to be on your toes in the field to win a game like that. So that's, you know, good stuff from the Texters. Also, we out-hit Southern Miss in that game 12-5. to five. Um, That one was Kylie Neal driving in an RBI in the top of the 11th to win. So shout out to her. And then, you know, no more extra innings here to discuss. So we'll just go through the scores here. Uh, The first game of the doubleheader on Saturday, we dropped three to one and then picked up the win in the seventh uh, in the afternoon game, seven to five. And then we won on Sunday to take the series six to one. So that is four and one on the week. I don't think I predicted us to do that well. So I apologize to the texters. Uh, Very good week from them. Yeah, I'll have to go back and listen because I remember being optimistic, but not this optimistic. Yeah. But, so we went eight and one. That's that's really good. That's amazing. And another amazing stat right now, when it comes to the softball team, at least the last 13 times the LaTeX softball team has played in Hattiesburg, they've won 11 of them. So 11 wow. of the last 13 games have been victories for the Lady Texters in Hattiesburg. School. Yeah, apparently. I mean, women's sports school sounds about right for Louisiana Tech sometimes with the program history in basketball. So between this and bowling, you know, I mean, we got something there. Yeah. So unfortunately, though, the Texters head, uh, they head back home to play North Texas this week. Um, Texters are up to 122 in Massey. Um, North Texas is number 64 overall. They're giving the Texters a 27% chance to win each of those games. Um, also worth noting, North Texas has that pitcher, Hope Troutwine, I think her name is, or Troutween or something. Um, she has pitched a couple no-hitters and a perfect game where everyone struck out. But luckily, I think in softball, they still only pitch one game a series. I could be wrong, uh, but we'll only have to to face her once. So I guess that being said, how do you think this week is going to go? We got four baseball games and I think only four softball games, right? I have a grambling game that got canceled. So Yes, I see that as well. Yeah, I, I think eight no is attainable. I mean, it's not really attainable, I don't think. Mm. Uh, Massey chances for, for North Texas is a 27% chance to win those games. Four to two loss predicted. I got yeah. I got a little too a little, a little too hyped up there for a second. Um, <laughs> but I think a 4-0 weekend from the Bulldogs, I think, is attainable. I don't see any reason why we can't sweep uh, FIU. But I think the Texters, I think they take two 
from North Texas, which kind of goes against the odds there. But I mean, they just had a pretty good weekend in Hattiesburg. And so returning back home, I think good things will happen. Uh, the Bulldogs, FIU is not as good of a team. Uh, maybe they'll steal one game, but if they pull Marshall and steal two, then I will be very, very sad. And that shouldn't happen mostly because of how sad I'll be. So yeah, I'll <laughs> say six and two on the weekend. It is worth noting too, that the texters have qualified for the Cusa tournament, which is good because this North Texas good. series is the last one of the season. So yeah. they have made it into the tournament, which will be played in Bowling Green, Kentucky. But how do you think this yeah. weekend will go? Um, I'm trying to verify if softball pitchers only pitch one game per weekend. She's pitching in at least two games a weekend is what it looks like. Mm. Um, mm. So in UTSA this past weekend, uh, she actually pitched. She started on Friday and Sunday and also pitched an inning on Saturday. And she that kind of okay. seems to be the, the thing. Her. She'll either start one or two games and also make an appearance for an inning or two in another game during that same series. Okay. So just, just to give some stats here on her, she, her ERA is 1.44. Her whip is 0.93. And she's pitched seven complete games, uh, 201 strikeouts. <laughs> the average against her is 78. 31 walks to 201 strikeouts, by the way. Uh, 22 earned runs. Yeah, if she's pitching two games, we're losing two games um sorry <laughs> but uh so I, i'm gonna go okay all right this is gonna sound like a downer okay i'm going one and three for the texters and i'm gonna go three and one for the bulldogs so four and four overall i think that we we should be able to sweep fiu but that doesn't mean we're going to it's you know we saw on friday night that even in a game where we had 16 hits we kind of let mtsu hang around and sometimes you still win those games and sometimes you don't. So I, I see one of the FIU games going that way where it's like we're in it. I don't, I don't think it's as bad as a Marshall game, right? I, but I think that, you know, there's like a seven to six loss or something like that where FIU gets the last laugh in the last inning because our bullpen, you know, can't can't keep it, keep it together. Um, so four and four on the week for me. Um, but that being said, I don't think three and one against FIU on the road hurts us at all. Um, in terms of our chances to host or in terms of our, you know, overall, you know, perception out there in the college baseball world. Yeah, I I don't think it helps. I think sweeping will actually give us another boost of a spot or two, but I think we kind of stay where we are, especially yeah. after having a sweep this past weekend. Yeah, I don't think we go up, but I, I think it's also worth noting that Except from here baseball on America. Out, yeah, yeah, geez. <laughs> Those guys, I don't know what they're doing, but... Um, Quality losses. <laughs> So yeah, very, Marshall got swept by West Kentucky this weekend, by the way. Um, so not great. <laughs> um, not helping us out there, thundering herd. But it's worth noting that our RPI, no matter what happens, we we pretty much can't get much higher than we are right now. We're 18, I think. Um, if we if we sweep the rest of the season, which would include two wins over ODU, who's a really good team, and a win over LSU, who's a you know still quad one team, right? It'll go up a few spots, but like really don't be surprised if like we're not in the top 25 in RPI because we drop we drop one game against FIU and one game against whoever it is, UTSA. I think we'll drop down into the the low 20s like we were before this series. Um so, you know, and that's fine. I don't I don't really think we have to be in the top 16 in RPI to get a host. It's like I said about the uh the you know, you have to bid for the host site and I think unless we fall apart this weekend, I think we're going to be in that top 20. And I think that's really, that's really all we need because then it's going to come down to politics. I think more so than like who deserves it most, you know, it's going to be like, well, do we want three series? Do we want Oregon and Oregon state to host a series? Mm, maybe not. Cause that's super far away from everybody and nobody's going to travel to that. So that, that's just, you know, I could be completely yeah. wrong about that, but I think this year, especially there's going to be some of that going on. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. We'll just, at this point, we'll just have to wait and see. Now to go to Tweet of the Week. This week's Tweet of the Week. I mean, we're supposed to do two of them. Did we have two of them this week? I forget. Uh, but we can give a, an honorable mention to uh, responding to my video of Taylor Young's series-winning home run, where I went in and, and clipped Dave Nitt's voice um, out of the radio broadcast and put it over the video. So you're welcome for that, all 16 people who liked that tweet. Um <laughs> Um, Dan Mabry says, I always love the picture quality of the original GoPro. <laughs> so, you know, great stuff. If you heard us talk about the camera angle earlier and you didn't get to watch this series, go check out that video. Um, because it's, you can't really tell what's going on at all. 
maybe don't go check out the video because there's not really much to gain there other than just getting frustrated at the whole setup there. And again, Sunday's game was was good enough, so I won't complain about that. But the first three games, yikes. But keeping on that baseball train, the tweet of the week this week, actually, the, the real tweet of the week, please stand up. It goes to at techalum 5 William Smith, who uses the template of, this is a WWE thing, and I should know the guy's name, but... Oh shit! Oh man! If you hadn't a- hadn't asked, what is his name? The the guy, the commissioner guy. What's his name? WWE guy. Vince. His McMahon. name is Vince Thanks, Google. McMahon. Yeah. Jesus. Thank you, Google. It's a tweet of him getting more and more excited. I guess. Uh, yeah. Four panels. Me after Tech's first win. Me after Tech's second win. Me after Tech clinched the series, and me after Tech gets the sweep. No, good, good yep. throwback memeage right there. Memeage yeah. is a word and doesn't date. Me Pretty hard to right. describe in a vocal medium, but uh, I just retweeted so most it of these tweets. Account. Why don't we create a segment where what? we describe what do visual we do? things on a podcast? Why is our show so bad? <laughs> <laughs> we should be taking notes, but we will never learn our lesson. <laughs> We're what eighty episodes in or something? Yeah, we're ninety-one we're episodes in. Ninety-one. <laughs> I don't even know how long we've been doing this for. Jesus. 91. It feels like only a decade ago. That about wraps it up for this episode of the GoTech Please Don't Die podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at G-O-T-E-C-H-P-L-S-D-N-T-D-I-E. Or head to our blog where I'm trying to get a post up this week. We'll see how this week goes and how busy I am. But hopefully something pops up there. That's gtpdd.dog. I'm just going to keep browsing Zillow and all my freaking spare time. So if somebody owns a house in Dallas and wants to sell it to me, I'll give you a fair price. I'm just saying. I won't. Please. So, I have like five so, bucks. I'll give you that. And then I'll sell it to Evan for much. 10. My <laughs> Dogecoin strategy. Yeah, fair enough. It also works on houses. But yeah, also the contest is on the blog at gtbdd.dog slash contest. We can do these last few weeks of the contest and try to dethrone a Spencer brother that's just running away with it now. Yep, it's not even close. Also, I'm pretty sure you forgot to subtract my 10 points from the scoreboard, Nathan, because I still have 12, so that doesn't sound right. I did, but I'll have to check. But yeah, until next time, I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. And I'm Matt. Matt dropped the call several minutes ago. And go (laughs) to Please Don't Die. Please sell me your house. Lincoln Financial Field. Let's see. Uh, Its uh, address is 1020 Patterson Avenue. Patterson? Patterson. P-A-T-T-I-S-O-N. Like Robert Pattinson. No, that's an N. Damn it. Sorry, Robert. Uh, (laughs) Frequent podcast listener, Robert Pattinson. Um, Of course. 1020 Patterson (laughs) Avenue. Guys, we have like 12 listeners and none of them have been named so far. (laughs) (laughs)